Welcome to The Recovery Show with Dr. Joe and Angelina. For the next two hours, we'll be discussing addiction, recovery, and human connection. I'm a double board certified addiction physician practicing here in Newport Beach in Costa Mesa. I'm joined by Angelina, an associate clinical social worker who also works in the field of addiction and mental health treatment. Tonight, we hope to inform you, connect you to the people who can help you, and help you take on life a little bit better prepared than when you started. It's the recovery show. And I'm Dr. Joe. And I'm Angelina. And we're back for 2018. We are. Oh, I missed you guys. And there's so much. We missed you too. I'm so glad you're here. Rip, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Oh, it's been a while. Seems like a year. You're a late Christmas gift. It has been. It has been been a year. It's been since last year. You're right. It's a whole year. You know, I was listening to that intro, and you know, that's a little outdated. It's it's wrong in so many ways. It is wrong. Okay, first of all, we're not a two-hour show anymore. One-hour show because you guys have a very short attention span. And so do we. (laughs) And so do we. So we're we're going down to one hour and and what else has changed dr joe angelina you've gotten licensed i am so i'm now a licensed clinical social worker license that's not a license it is a license it is all right yep so no longer an associate clinical social worker but a fully licensed one bam you're now licensed to make people cry oh that's not very nice you kind of do thank you (laughs) is that applause for my joke yeah, moving yeah. on from that. <laughs> anyway, so um, lots Rip. of changes going into 2018. It's pretty exciting. Like what? Well, I feel the same. You do? Yeah, besides those damn uh, New Year's resolutions that you and I... Okay, so a couple of things happened in the past three weeks. Yes. I went on the doctors, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Okay. That was very, very exciting. That was exciting. It's coming out soon. I will announce when I'm going to be on the spot. Yep. So we're going to be talking about my program and my clinic. And I had a patient that I ran through. So it'll be all that, about you, which will be very, very exciting. Well. I know. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you know exactly. you like that. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, you got licensed. I did. And we, were, we did a few um, live TV spots for Alcarma TV. Okay. We did. That was an experience. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. It was. It was. First of all, Al Karma TV is a. Um, it, it is an Arabic Christian Arabic station right. that is transmitted to millions of viewers around the world. So, and California, right? And 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 the North America, you know, a smattering here and there. But we go on live on Saturday mornings, which is eight p.m. In Egypt, right, and, and Egypt is their is their prime location. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea, market. no idea, and, and we had no idea that millions of people were going to be watching us. Right, we didn't. So and, literally, and it's nothing like radio. So, you know, um, it was one of those experiences. At least for me, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to turn up, and um, I half have this. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Um, right, and that yeah. was your first time. Well, you remember our first radio show. Right. We had, yeah. Yeah, we had no idea, and we still kind of stumble through it every now and then, I think. But um, I have so much more respect for, no, I think I have so much more respect for our guests. Um, fear, yes. You know, because I, exactly. I totally felt that paralyzing, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sit in this seat, and and now what? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and what did it also make you feel, that, like how... 
<laughs> how much, how prepared they are. Yes. And how shoot from the hip radio potentially could be. Well, it could be, but I think also, but it's not. But how, how you, um, how vulnerable you feel up there, you know? I felt so vulnerable. Um, but it was an amazing experience. It, it was, to me, it was like a drug. You know, um, like radio is every week. I feel amazing when we right before we come on. Yeah, that may be for you. The, the first time. <laughs> That's Joe. <laughs> That's why you're the I'm addict and I'm the normie. I'm getting my fix, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you speak about being on one side of the fence and then the other, so being a guest and then coming back and being the host. Doesn't, yes. So don't you feel like a much better host? Um, I learned a lot from it. Yes, I think so. So tonight yeah. our, our guest will, will give us our grades at the end of the show. Yeah, probably. And we'll see how we yeah. do. And, <laughs> we're gonna um, we're gonna give that um, that form at the end and definitely want some feedback. Well, since but since we have an hour tonight, yes, uh, you know I want to lay down. I want I'd like to lay down the topics for the show. Sure. Okay. So a couple of things happened while we were on hiatus, and the OC Register, you know, puts out a whole ton of um, uh, exposés and stories about recovery uh -huh. in Southern California. You know, we used to talk about Florida and the Florida Shuffle and what recovery was like there. And uh, verging on criminal. Right. And we're starting to see shadows of that appear here in Southern California, uh, if it hasn't already. Right. Here. I was just going to say, back up there. How about it's always been here and it's just being exposed? Okay. So I want to yeah, talk so about, I wanna talk about what is going on. What are we going to do to correct it without having the forces of government and nature come in and completely turn us upside down and tell us what to do because that is not going to be good in the in the end for addicts and it's not going to be good for our neighborhoods and it's not going to be good because we're we are an example for the rest of the country if you look at recovery around the country you've got the east coast which is methadone clinics you've got northern california which is you know shooting galleries right where where you can buy heroin and actually and you just use mm -hmm. uh so you've got you've got that in between, and then you've got this this weird abstinence-based, uh, which is good for some abstinence-based recovery in Florida and Southern California's social model. So that I lay it out, and and everything in between. Right. The the Midwest, the flyover states are now coming into their own, and they're catching up with because the people that were in Florida and in California are now opening up centers and seeing what they can do in I the think, middle of the country. I, I think you're, you know, in a, in, now you're asking a lot of good questions, but I think the problem is um, there aren't a lot of really good answers out there, which is why people are still stumbling around, right? That's the first thing. Right. And you've got pockets of solutions, but not one solution that works for everybody. What, what I'd like to do tonight is just an outline of yeah. what those problems are. And, you know, when we have well, Patrick come in, I want to talk about some of the solutions. And yes. that's kind of why we have him here tonight and also to talk about himself and his amazing programs and his history and the mm -hmm. things that he's done with people. So that's what we're going to be covering tonight, partly. What yeah. else? I want to talk about, well, we rang in the new year with legalized cannabis here in California. Oh, that was an interesting, um, lots of interesting coverage in the news today <laughs> regarding that. Yes. Yeah, you know, can we just talk about that CNN um, uh, little snippet yeah, on, go new, ahead. on New Year's Eve where um, one of the... Um, one of the reporters was in Colorado. Oh my gosh, and she was I remember a, that. She was at a Puff Pass paint party. Like, what on earth yeah. was that? Yeah, and she brings out this bong that's attached to a gas mask, which is like the, the mo it's it's like it's like doing a show on sex and bringing out an S and wait, and, S &M and she, gear. And she you know? looked like she looked like the mom next door. The, right? That was even more 
I think fascinating and kind of appalling. And 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 what really got me is they showed clips prior to you know her puritanical nature up to this point and then they have her like sh- like putting a joint towards the camera right you know laughing her you know, laughing her rear end off and her Chinese eyes and and there was it was yeah. pr- it was appalling yeah and to say anything less it, in my opinion it was absolutely appalling it was um it was irresponsible. Yes. You know, it's it's cutting edge, and I don't know who the heck they were trying to appeal to, and I don't know who okayed that segment, but it was awful to watch. It, it was, was awful. painful to watch, and um, and, and and you can tell. Um, I forget who was uh, who was uh, in the um, in um, in Times Square. I don't know, but just going back to the fact that you know, promoting something like that um, to the public, saying that this is okay, um, it, it, it's back to what you well, said. Well, it's irresponsible. They had, a, they had to underscore that it was legal in Colorado, right? And they kept saying it's legal in Colorado. It's legal where you are. It's legal where you are. That, that doesn't make it right. Yeah. So is alcohol, and and you know, you, that. Um, and it has been, but it doesn't mean that you know you go out and you promote it in in a way that irresponsibly, which is what that was that was basically doing, in my opinion. And it's not it's not a two in the morning piece. It's where families are watching right. New Year's Eve festivities, and they're showing how you know the the accoutrement of of smoking weed and people you know obviously having fun. Where th- and the data shows that young children should not be exposed to this. Right. It shouldn't. It should not be normalized for them. It causes changes in the brain, and some argue that it's gateway drug. We'll leave that for another show. Mm-hmm. But overall, irresponsible. Absolutely. And um, and I was taken aback. Me too. So in <clears throat> response today, I also want to get to Jeff Sessions, our country's attorney general, who. Um, now put the kibosh on and lifted Obama's federal, you know, federal hands-off rule on all the states and right, how they should manage right. their their cannabis laws. So I want to talk about that, and uh, and then and and finally wind up with uh, you know with uh, my article in the OC Register, and we'll and we'll talk about MAT and and the future of uh, of recovery. So a lot of things to cover. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be um, going to be a good show. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest, E. Patrick Miller. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. We're looking forward to the show with you tonight. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and why we brought you on this show. Well, I have a long-term history in mental health and in addiction recovery. The other side of the coin, I was one of the pioneers in sports psychology. I was with the uh, Denver Nuggets the Denver Broncos early in my career when I was working in community mental health and I was the clinical director for the largest mental health center in the state of Colorado. We specialized in children, adolescents, and family systems and where we could really invent new modalities which is what we're going to probably be talking about a little bit later in our activities tonight. I was one of the pioneers in sports psychology, and and I was with, uh, I have been with uh, the Lakers and Bill Jackson for a decade, with the Clippers as well, and other individual uh, athletes as well, and other programs, and I also do a lot of work in um, sports, generalize with um, 
dual diagnosis, uh-huh. major mental disorders, lots of ADD, because all, I'd say 74% of the population in all four major sports mm-hmm. have attentional issues. And 80% of this room. Without question. <laughs> so without going into details of names or anything like that, because we understand you know, confidentiality, but working in the area of sports medicine, yeah. um, what types of disorders are you primarily treating? At first, initially, is dysthymia, uh-huh. which is low-grade depression, one of the lowest grades, where if you t- talk to a friend of yours and you s- see them every week and they say, how are you doing? You actually are meaningful and you want to know how they're actually doing. And they say, oh, same old, same old. You know, mm-hmm. just working, mm-hmm. hanging out. And you look at their face and the affect is dull, flat, and done in. So when you say affect for our audience, what does that mean? Like their facial, their expression? How they present okay. facially mm-hmm. and in terms of their energy, psychic, physiological, mm-hmm. as, as well as being fluid in their conversation. Because there are lots of people who have um, perseveration of thought. And I think we can know a number of those people in myriad of industries uh, across the way. And um, the other forms are uh, depression, anxiety. Now, anxiety can be a standalone disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As we all know, in this room at least. Mm -hmm. And the other side of the coin is depression. And I've never seen depression without anxiety, Mm -hmm. ever. Hmm. And that's part of the symptomatology that I've worked with uh, when I work with kids, adolescents, and family systems, and obviously still do. Because oftentimes it's very difficult for parents who feel guilty about not being able to diagnose their kids, or at least from their perspective, to assess what their kids are doing, not doing well in school, their attentional issues, and their focus and concentration. Those are the bigger um, elements that we that come to me mm-hmm. via family systems. So, for for example, wh- what's your typical plan of attack? Uh, parents bring their kid to you. It's twelve year old kid um, doing poorly in school. Mm-hmm. Has been told by several teachers not doing well. This is a common common problem. Without question, uh, they've been to the school psychiatrist who wants to put the child on school psychologist. To school psychologist. psychologist. Yeah who is recommending that the the patient see a doctor to get a prescription for an amphetamine. Oftentimes, with all due respect to our school psychologists, Mm -hmm. they're not really trained in the clinical aspects of treatment, assessment, and diagnostic impressions. So when I hear that and the family comes to me by referral, Mm -hmm. I want to see the parents first. I want to get a, uh, an acute, detailed experience with them so they can feel that they're at home with this third person. As I was saying to a family just yesterday, I know it's really difficult for you to um, kind of turn your kid over to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of ramifications of emotional domains that kind of flourish, but then are... Um, subdued over a period of time because one sometimes they don't want to know yeah that's true what the issues are okay mm-hmm. they just want you to fix it i would imagine that's more common than not oh especially with all due respect affluent families mm-hmm. because they just want to throw money at it yeah you know what i'm saying and, and when well it fixes everything well why not that <laughs> yeah 
with, uh, yeah. with assurity, I, su- I suspect. But so I, I see both parents. I do a, a history of medical, social science, um, any kind of uh, medical problems mm-hmm. that they had early on at birth, mm-hmm. pre-birth, and that kind of stuff, postpartum depression, if there was any um, depending on how many children they may have. We're just talking about one 12-year-old today. But I want to get a clear picture of any medical abnormalities. I also go into the genetic piece, where we're looking at the historical perspective of family systems. And when I look at generational systems of families, I want to know everything. I take a minimum an hour and a half to two hours with the family, meaning the parents. Mm-hmm. Initially, I want them to have enough room, spatially as well as serendipitously, so they can feel comfortable in a conversational assessment. Mm-hmm. A lot of my colleagues in the past have been very formal and strict in terms of how they approach their mental status examinations. I do it conversationally. Mm-hmm. So people don't feel threatened. I may ask a few psychiatric uh, questions, uh, both for adults, teenagers, and some um, uh, uh, elementary school kids. And I will ask, subtract seven from 100, seven from 93, seven from 86, sure. etc. Because I want to test out all the quadrants in their brain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, and, they, and the parents, when I start to do that, they start to fold in, and they really appreciate it that I'm very hyper um, specific mm-hmm. in nature and how I operate with the assessment piece. I also ask them um, to join with me in becoming my eyes and ears and report to me at least twice a week individually by phone, not text, no emails, because I don't hear the tonal inflection or the um, emotional domain that may come through your your voice when you're talking about your kid or yourself or your feelings as a parent. And what I've said to parents ever since I started the multifamily treatment and group population, we call that the myth of the perfect parent. Mm -hmm. And with that... And with that, I would say to the parents, right, we see the kids, and this is in Colorado when I was uh, working with Jefferson County Mental Health Center, and we would have the parents in one room, the kids uh, in playgroup in others, and this would be elementary to a little bit lower than elementary as well. But the problems were behaviorally, sleep disorder issues, attentional issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, the youngest uh, kid I ever um, dealt with was from a personal, uh, radio, uh, television personality and his wife, and they had a, uh, their newborn, which was about four months old, wouldn't sleep. Uh-huh. And... Um, I asked them a, you know, a, a list, a huge list of questions about their home life, their environment, and how it's set up. And then I asked them if they would mind if I came to visit their home so I can look at the locations mm-hmm. of what's going on and get the feel of the vibe within the home as well as anything else that might uh, turn my attention. And what I found is with this particular family system, that this kid's room was so bright with red, blue, and lots of yellow that they couldn't fall asleep. It's too much stimulation. You got it. Mm -hmm. It's exactly right. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And we all know about overstimulation and how many ways that it can be um, 
pervaded in terms of your internal responses to anxiety, depression, and of course, just discomfort. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine a lot of this leads to addiction in early early and mid adolescence, and you must see a lot of you must do a lot of longitudinal care. Yes, that where you see what gets you what. So what would you say is the is the is the the common thread? And we come up, we can talk about this more after the break. But what, sure. what would you say is the common thread uh, in families? in the psychodynamic model uh, that leads to their children becoming addicts? If you had to say in one a, thing. A, uh, control, mm -hmm. rigidity, both mother or father or both, or they tag team the kids mm -hmm. without their knowledge because they're not aware of how they're operating within the family system. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we do a lot of in vivo experiences with the kids as well as the parents. We put them through uh, sequential uh, role playing so we can fix it for the kid so they can feel empowered and say what they really think. Now, what, just as a sidebar here, when I was treating adolescents in Colorado at a inpatient locked adolescent facility, I would do an hour. Okay. I would do an hour with the kids and I'd ask them, the, the kids who had been there in, for a week or two, introduce me. And because I want to empower their voice. I want uh -huh. to have them find their voice. Because everybody, as Shakespeare once said, to thine own self be true. Well, who is that person you're talking about? Nobody knows, especially if you have these so, issues. So potential inability to be able to speak their truth. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, oh, and you're going to have a lot to talk about when we come back from the yeah, break. Yeah, no, I like that. The phone number here is 949-650-1015. E. Patrick Miller is our guest tonight. And uh, this is The Recovery Show. I'm Dr. Joe. And I'm Angelina. And we'll be right back after this short break. She calls out to the man on the street. He can see she's been crying. On the soles of her feet She can't walk but she's trying Shed in Old Town Orange is a boutique garden shop specializing in water-wise plants, container gardens, treasures from local artists, and rustic finds. The Potting Shed in Orange. More at tpshomeandgarden.com. That's tpshomeandgarden.com. Sky 
Welcome back to the recovery show. Phone number here is 949-650-1015. Listen to us live on KOCIRadio.com if you're outside the Orange County uh, listening area. Uh, our guest tonight is E. Patrick Miller, child sports psychologist extraordinaire in recovery himself. Several uh, hundred years. Several hundred years. <laughs> He's got the oldest chip in the book, and uh, and we were talking about the family experience. Mm -hmm. Angelina's eyes lit up. They right did. The they break. did. I was thinking about the fact that I think you know, especially in the field that we work in, that it's really important to treat the family. And uh, you were talking about when working with the the patients that you work with, the clients that you work with, you also really like to involve the family, and you do these family groups. But um, that you know, you think that you have to kind of work with the, the parents, work with the family, and that often you know it's them that really has to do, they have to do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little more? Sure. When I have that first year, that we, uh, first hour with the kids, I was talking about before the break. Mm -hmm. I, I share with the kids, after due diligence of finding their voice of what's really wrong with them as well as they perceive their family system, individually, mm -hmm. other siblings, parents, and so forth. And they have, I ask my people, no matter what age group, to give yourself permission to do something new, fresh, and different. And if that's the case, then you're open to a whole new world of opportunities. So when I share with the kids and, and we get through some clinical issues and I'm telling them, you know, we're going to deal with this. These are some of the topics that we're going to deal with, like we've talked about earlier in the show. And I say, what you really need to know here is your parents should be inpatient, not you. <laughs> <laughs> You, you're listening, Orange County? Yeah. <laughs> because what I'm really speaking to here is the kids are just really the download of the emotional domain, the highly dysfunctional family system, and how it's evolved over a period of time. Because lots of males and females are not ready to be parents, much less reluctantly, or I don't want to. Mm -hmm. which, which comes on the heels of you can't make me. Does that make sense? There you go. Okay. So um, with that being said, I say that also to the parents when we get in there. Okay. And I'm going to, I ask the parents, I, I share with the parents that your kid is going to bring up issues that we've talked about in the last several days and before in this group. And they have found their voice. And all the only thing I ask you to do is one real thing active listening be quiet chill be still and open your ears because your kids whether they're 12 or 17 they want to be treated by adult like adults now they haven't learned how to earn that yet over a period of time and that's why they're here acting out behavior oppositional defiance major mental disorders, early childhood development issues, because I look at all my people from the developmental sequences of life, because I studied after graduate school, Piaget and Eric Erickson, mm -hmm. the, the great uh, docs who were 
geniuses in their own time, and their st- and their work still holds sixty years later. I agree. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. How so? From your perspective, I just think it's it's, it's about developmental stages of identity. Yep. In, in a nutshell, I mm-hmm. just put it that way, um, and I think you're right. And I also look at, uh, you know, human beings are instinctively driven to tell the truth no matter what that is, no matter how old you are. And um, we're conditioned to tell lies, if you want to put it that way too, to say otherwise, because it doesn't fit the environment that we're in. So, um, we, what does that mean? It doesn't fit... From your perspective. Uh, from my perspective, it doesn't fit the... Um, it doesn't fit uh, the family system we grow up in. Um, it doesn't fit the support or lack of that we're... You mean do it my ways or else? Pretty much. But we still are going to do what we need to do because we, we're driven to tell the truth. Right. We have to be heard. Correct. But what if you're suffocated? You are By going a controlling mother or father. By a controlling mother or father. Is going, your truth is going to be told through maladaptive behavior. Correct. Through, but right. the other side of the coin is the other parent is laissez-faire. They won't stand up to the... To the controlling person in the family unit. Right. Because we have, in all families, we have lots of estrogen, and we also have a lot of testosterone. Typically. And who runs the show? Typically testosterone, but not always. It depends. I don't find that. You don't, you really... It's it's cultural. It is cultural, but the other side of the coin is I find it a lot has to do with the underlying power and control issues by looks, inflections, breath like that, like you're disgusted. But don't you think that the identified patient ends up running the system in the end? Oh, absolutely, without question. Yeah. And, and how does that happen and why? How come? Because they're hopeless. Continue. <laughs> Why don't you tell me? We're running out of time. No, okay, fine. Yeah, no, 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 seriously. Go. Because, because I'll, I'll when take they, too much time to think. Because when, they, when, they, when they're looking at all the contrived issues that they have to um, abort their freedom to and their voice, which they probably haven't found yet, mm-hmm. the issue is that they have learned how to control the family system by a survival skill or two. Mm-hmm. That's typically learned. Learned or testing limits. Mm-hmm. And I don't want I don't want to. You can't make me. Uh-huh. Or they subterfuge their behavior by acting out or and what I say to people all the time, acting in, which is probably what you were adjusting to when you were talking about acting out. Yes. But internally suffocating themselves because mm-hmm. they don't have permission. Yeah. But I, I, I go back to they will tell their truth. Yes. And that will be through, it'll be through substance use. Mm-hmm. It'll be through self-harm. Dip, self-harm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, without question. Yeah. Exactly, and it'll be through um, it'll you know mood disorder. It'll be it'll manifest in some way. Basically, saying I'm pretending I'm okay, but I'm really not. I am not okay. And how many of those children that you just spoke about <sighs> don't have permission to be just kids? All when of I, them. When I talk with uh, athletes and they get tired of the grind after three years and whatever sport they're in, I have to share with them. Why are you playing? Why did you start playing? And they get stumped. 
because they have to deal with the business of the NBA or the NFL mm -hmm. or uh, Major League Baseball or whatever. <laughs> and the issue is that they've forgotten that they had, they loved to have fun. What's, yeah. I was going to ask, what's yeah, the exactly. level of emotional maturity that you see in these athletes, these 20, 30-year-old, like just say Lakers? Or nuggets, for example. I'll go general with that question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need to need to respect respect. Or we can just talk about. I, I, I started this. Yeah. I started the spiritual quest with athletes for thirty years ago. So, right. um, what I see is is that developmentally they are delayed mm -hmm. in a myriad of ways because they, by the time they've been um, discovered at about nine to eleven years old, whatever sport it might be at, they've never been told no. Or not right, and and what I say to my people in family systems, I help condition my parents, and it's like, well, not right now. And then the kids look stark at them, like they're used to getting the, what what response? Oh, whatever you need. Or, no, absolutely not. There you go. You're right. And do it because I said so. Mm -hmm. Not because you'll take a moment to explain a little bit on their level about what's going on in the family or why oh, the biggest question is why do you have to do chores you know what I was thinking how about a rested ego like their ego at age 12 you're an athlete that's all you are that's exactly right and then and then you're, you're 30 years old and you turn around and you go well I got nothing else well this is why yes. this is why I, I do a lot of work in in all sports not just the NBA with working with um, rookies mm -hmm. you know who have just signed that multi multi-million dollar contract if they're old enough to right. sign Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, and, and the irony here is that they ha don't have a clue because they get everything at their whim. Okay? I teach them about the five points of empowerment. And maybe we can do that the next time or yeah. after this break. The five points of empowerment, which are really dedicated to developmental sequences of life. But I think in um, in working with people that are high caliber celebrity and things like that, because I think both of us do that, yeah. is is being able to identify, um, and then this was just something I was thinking about, is that, you know, when they um, were passionate about what they were doing, before money became a part of it, before they started, like what you were saying, being mm -hmm. told, not being told no, mm -hmm. and not being that pressure that that pressure wasn't there when it was still passion when it was still something they loved that's that's when um you can bring them back to that uh that's mm -hmm. that's that's when they're typically arrested in development correct but the point. other side before it comes to that being discovered moment that's when it's good nope they don't have any chores they don't know how to pick up after themselves. Well, no, you're right there. But yeah. I'm talking about getting them back in touch with that part of themselves. Right. Yeah, that's that's the get, getting Can them reconnected. Can you stand on that part of themselves of getting them back connected to their uh, their inner inner their self esteem, their inner worth, and before they got um, before they got disconnected from uh, gosh. You're stumping me tonight. This is good. <laughs> Before they realized that they were, um, <laughs> they were, they were not just, they were not just a meal ticket. Actually, because that's what ends up happening for some people. Can you repeat that, please? A meal ticket. Yes. And that their um, what they were passionate about 
uh, was not something that was theirs because everybody else starts to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. It becomes a commodity. Well, one of the things I get with, with younger players who have um, not been identified with having attentional issues, mood disorders, or dysthymia, which is a little great depression, as we mm-hmm. all both know in this room, is that they don't get the opportunity to learn life skills. They have none a lot of the time. Zero? Yeah. I have many families who have great athletes or wannabes who are between 12 and 16 years old. They've never done a chore in their life. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to make a bed. They don't know how... What, what, what's the concept behind that? Not just the behavioral piece. It's about awareness, being responsible, making your own way in developmental sequential issues mm-hmm. so we can... Um, charter that process with that child, adult, and how they can feel part of the family rather than an outsider. Because I've had lots of people who who just come to me for psychiatric issues, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they don't have a voice. They've been told what to do, how to do it, and they've been bombarded with, you don't count, what's wrong with you? I can say some other expletives that would really work because right. we all know those expletives mm-hmm. that we hear because we bought all those lies, hook, line, and sinker that we believed in our childhood and adolescence and young adulthood. Well, the only thing that you were good for is, you know, you're great at throwing a basketball. Let's just focus on that. Absolutely. You know, or you're great at, you know, even for women, you know, that are models or, any, or acting or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're great in front of a screen. Let's get you out there and let's do those rehearsals and let's get you out on the catwalk. Well, don't and so forget, so you have to have this model body. Yeah, exactly. And so we've, we've created. Um, in Which that is 23 to, 70, uh, 23 to 44% lower than the average female. And then what happens is these individuals get um, in, say, a car accident or they um, get into some kind of sporting accident mm-hmm. and they lose their identity that was so tied up with this particular sport, um, career, professionalism, whatever it is. And that's not okay because they're more than that. What are they? From your perspective, because you've had a lot of experience here. They are human beings. They are imperfect, just like all of us. Mm-hmm. And they don't get the permission to be okay with that. Right. Meaning they have flaws. Mm-hmm. And I have parents that I see all the time where the parents say, we are very open about our flaws with our kids, with our parenting, and we apologize. Excuse me? Why would you apologize for that? Because a lot of parents who are controlling Mm -hmm. are also entitled. And they don't have any rationalization of why they should apologize because you're supposed to do it under my tutelage and I'm using a really good word there. Can you expand on that? Which part? The tutelage. What does it mean? The what? The word tutelage, what does it mean? The unconscious and conscious way that you have been conditioned in your early childhood, because I knew when I was a young boy, between five and seven, that I had to hide before my dad came home. Why? Not that he would do anything rash or beat us up or spank us, but we didn't know what his mood was going to be like, because I didn't find out until later, when I finished graduate school, that he had these moments 
flares, if you will, of impulsivity, anger, rage, because he didn't have a father when he grew up, who left him at two years old, lost his mother and his only sister in a boating accident when he was nine. So he was orphaned in a myriad of ways for the next decade. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with kids when you have them? Right. A question that popped into my mind when you two were talking about this is you you were going to mention the five points of empowerment. I want to talk about that be mm -hmm. be before we end the show. Sure. But how do you empower your kids without enabling your kids? And I would think that the, the that there's fear of of empowering your children for you know for fear of enabling them to you know head down the wrong path. Like you, you're 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 worried about their development, and, and, and you right. may be you may be handling it irrationally. The the concepts that I utilize are are the process of competency. How do you learn how to tie your shoes? Well, I don't. I have loafers. I don't have to. And how many new <laughs> little kids have manipulated their parents? Like I don't want to tie shoes, and like they don't want to learn their multiplication table. Um, tables, okay? But the other side of the coin is, is, is that this is where the manipulation comes in subtly as survival skills that you and I were just talking about, and right. Selena, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Would you repeat the question for me one more time? Um, how do you empower without enabling? Well, that's the permission of giving this kid alternative choices that are shaped in a way that you'd like to see a good, responsible human being. Mm. And remember, it's a learning curve. So just like when my dad and I used to train um, hunting dogs, mm -hmm. we would never use no. We would not use harsh language, mm -hmm. and and we would speak to them in a low, friendly but firm voice at times when they needed to pay attention. Right. Other times we have to teach them as children to give them free permission to go play. They don't have to be conditioned all the time. In fact, it's necessary. This is why I t talk to all of my students who have attentional issues or have difficulty, we'll say, um, in, in testing situations. They need more time with that. It isn't about time. It's about they feel rushed. They feel like they don't, they're losers. They don't have the competency that I just spoke about. Building, on, building from skill building in all the areas that we were talking about earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, so it does. You, and so when you do that, you have to deal with the parent, we'll say just one at this moment, who makes it easy for you. Like the one who doesn't give you any chores or teaches you how to do make your bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With you. With. Yeah. Not for me or to me, but with. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Okay. And I think parents need to need to understand what triangulation means and um, splitting. Splitting is a big one. Splitting mm -hmm. and and the communication between and th and that's why you're you you attack the parents first. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. you you attack their issues and then deal with the main. Let me go into the enabling piece that you asked me yeah. about. I'm trying to put that in the context of the show because a lot of oh. our patients that we take care of as young adults are highly enabled. 
Well, they're good manipulative kids because it's a survival skill that they didn't know what they were doing. They just found a way. You know? And they found out that I can piss my dad off very quickly, get what I want because he doesn't want to talk to me about it. Yeah. Or mom was trying to fix me without my permission. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Originally? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patrick, I took you off your thought, though. Empowering without enabling. Right. Go ahead. So the enabling comes when you have overbearing parents who want to make it better. They have the best interest in your in your in your growth and development. But the other side of the coin is that they are not free. They're not the ones who feel competent. And when when I was first starting uh, these multifamily groups, um, we said to the, all these parents on the stage that. Um, there's no rule book here. I'm going to write a couple, but the other side of the coin is that you have to learn how to be distant observers. And it is so difficult. I will have to say, as a parent, especially with great fear. It's fear. It's um, in, initially in the world today. Um, initially and um, often. But you have to do that in order to be able to encourage and allow your children to be who they are. Because ultimately, they're going to be who they are anyway. Which, which requires permission from parent to just learn how to be yourself. Because you don't know who you are, as Shakespeare once said. Right. <laughs> Ugh. Allow your children to be who they are because that's what they need. Oh, let they us need to learn how to struggle. They do. And stand back and just... just and like let it happen. And that's where the codependent comes in who won't yeah. allow that. Ooh. Yeah. And you have to stand back and you have to just grit your teeth. Well, actually, I ask people to just breathe their way through it. No, I grit my teeth. <laughs> you know, at times, I'm you being honest. You can do both. You can grit and <laughs> breathe your teeth. Your, <laughs> grit yeah. your teeth and breathe. All right, when we come back, how do you empower your children to give them the best shot in this world? And uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk, get to the other topics. Oh, I've got, I've got an approach. answer for that one, and I'm sure you do too. Okay, we think we've got a answer. Maybe, maybe a suggestion. Breath. The phone number here is 949 650 1015. This is the Recovery Show. I'm Dr. Joe. And I'm Angelina. And we'll be right back. He said, I like it. I want it. I'll take it off your hands and you'll be sorry. You cross me. You better understand that you're alone. Alone with the I say, I don't like reggae. Ever wonder what happens when Main Street collides with Wall Street at the intersection of influence and affluence? Hi. I'm Robert Mycone. The entire Money Guy team is here to help you every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on Money Wise with the Money Guys. From taxes to pensions, on fiscal policy, and even funding your children's education, we'll bring a fresh seasoned perspective to the table. We give your future direction every Saturday here on KOCI. Need help finding original Mercedes-Benz accessories? Rocco's Auto Tech in Costa Mesa are the experts. Rocco's has been a trusted source for local Mercedes-Benz dealerships for over three decades. Rocco's installs rear cameras, phones, and the latest in Bluetooth technologies, allowing you to play all your music through the car's original factory stereo with your iPod, Android, or your Sirius radio account. You can book appointments directly over the phone or look us up on the web. Rocco's Costa Mesa. 
Hi, I'm Steve Sharippa. You may know me as Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos, and I'd like to tell you about Uncle Steve's Pasta Sauce, made from a family recipe. It's certified organic, gluten-free, and 100% delicious. Uncle Steve's Pasta Sauce at Albertsons, Vons, Pavilions, Bristol Farms, and Sprouts, or online at UncleStevesNY.com. The recovery show. The phone number here is nine four nine six five zero one zero one five. E. Patrick Miller is with us in studio. So, E. Patrick, I, well, I don't know why I call you E. Patrick. It's Patrick. It's Patrick. It's E. It's like who that. you ever want to call me. I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your five points of empowerment. Yes. You, you kind of teased us with before the break. Mm-hmm. How can we make our kids the best people possible and give them the best chance at growing up in this crazy world? <laughs> Mm-hmm. This small world, this you know, disjointed, disconnected, um, small world where you're pushed up against somebody else, but you're as distant as possible from them. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't trust. How do we do that? Yeah. So and how do we how do we empower our kids? Well, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go to the original question about the five points of empowerment, and it's about giving, as I was saying earlier in the show, it's about giving yourself permission. And I start with the parents, because it's always the trickle-down effect. Right. Because mm-hmm. you all, kids, parents don't realize at times they're always in the fishbowl. Yeah. Especially when they're not doing or talking. And they, the kids just watch. And as they get to about seven, they go like, hmm, that seems chilly. You know what I'm saying? Huh. So going into the high points of empowerment, is um, we tell the truth no matter what. We do the next right thing, especially if we don't want to, which tails on to, and you can't make me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Number three is work before play, the traditional work ethic. Number four is do your best every day. I teach this to parents as well as kids. And I want the separation of do your best every day. So there's an element of consistency so we can build on sustainability over a period of months. So how old are you when you know, learn how to tell the truth? Joe? Uh, as old as you are when you learn how to lie. Don't start with me. 
I'm talking about developmental sequences. I ask her. No. I'm starting with you. Come on. You've been really kind to us tonight. Thank you. Uh, wow. Um, how old are you when, when you know the difference between right and wrong? Um, yes. Okay. I'm going to say four. Okay. Yeah. Two. Expand. It's uh, see, I'm wrong. No, you're not. Not at all. No, no. I'm going to bring two up to four. R- ask Rip, too. Rip, how old? Grip? I think about uh, seven. Okay. Continue. No, go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah. We're, we're, we've only got a couple of minutes. Okay. So the issue here is the legal age of reason across the country is 10 years old. We Rip, you win. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end date. The beginning phase is about two and a half to five. So you're all in we're you're all, all in the bar we're all winners. Mm-hmm. We all get participation we trophies. Do. And where's my star? <laughs> <laughs> but l- let me go further with this because the five points of empowerment are really developmental sequences of life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as I was saying, how old are you when you learn how to tell the truth no matter what? How old are you when you learn how to be consistent and do your chores, which is the tr- traditional work ethic? Mm-hmm. And how old are you when you um, learn how, if ever, not just to do the next right thing, but do your best every day? Now, you've noticed, I'm going to continue here for a second. You've noticed that I have left out number five. And here's the, here's the answer to that. Every child, adolescent, young adult, who are not developmentally even with their chronological age and their development piece, mm-hmm. number five, they want number five to become number one. But if, in my perspective, if you do number five first, you'll never get to the other four. And here's the trick at number five. Have fun at all costs. <laughs> okay? Because that's what you want to give your kids the basis of when you're helping them, training them how to be themselves, how to respond without somebody looking for the metaphor of the third shoe. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that at another time. Yeah, we're, they all we're running awfully close to the end. Oh, they all yeah, like they all drop, yeah. and it's yeah. true. So, c- can I can I bring in one of the topics? And I think th- yeah, that I that I teased in the beginning of the show is no, is, I'm finished. Is are you know we're in in this state and probably in a lot more states, cannabis is going to be legalized. Um, and Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, is going to have his way probably against that, but uh, which which means it's going to get into the hands of younger and younger children. So, so I'm not sure Jeff is going to get his way. Yeah. He's already had two of his colleagues in the Republican Party go after him and crush him today in the Senate. Mm. So uh-huh. there's there's um, what's that blowback? Right, right. On the on the day he said it, there's 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 going to be some common ground. Uh, but eventually it's going to be, it's, it's probably going to be as ubiquitous as alcohol. Mm, absolutely. So uh, well, how, is this, how is this going to play in the ability for adults to empower their children? And, you know, w- when we deal with the presence of mind-altering substances and how they're becoming more and more pervasive in society, in families, 
Um, what are we up against, and 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 what do you see in the future of? Well, of I think you go back to one of the um, five steps of empowerment, and then you tell tr- tell the truth no matter what. You gauge it for the child's developmental sequence, how old they are, what they what their capacities are, and you share with them when they're ready, developmentally ready, and um, what's the phrase here, age appropriate. Yeah. I think that's completely the the appropriate to use your and word. You've got to talk about your flaws. I was talking to a family system just uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. just talking, you know, and they said we're open. We're all we all have flaws. Our kids know better than we do what our flaws are, mm-hmm. and we've had to come to the realization over the last twenty years that we are flawed individuals, and we learn about forgiveness. Because it's all about forgiveness. Forgiveness and transparency, like you said, telling the truth. Because your children know, no matter what, um, they know when you're not telling the truth. They know what you're hiding. They, you know, coming in and saying, you know, make sure you don't smoke cigarettes um, when you smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And they totally know. Well, that's what I call being a walking contradiction. Yeah. And that happens a lot in family systems. It really does. And then the trickle-down effect goes to the child as he develops or she develops over a period of time. Do you find that children do better in in households where the parents are vulnerable? Meaning? Meaning that they're not afraid to, to look infallible towards towards their kids? Without question. Because across the board. Is that ever is it ever a bad without thing? question. Because what you're really doing is you're giving them permission to see you as you actually are. Not the stuff that they don't understand or what might be private between mm-hmm. you and your spouse. Right. Your partner. Right. Okay? So it's age appropriate, developmentally appropriate, and what was that phrase I used? Giving permission. Mm-hmm. You know, to be vulnerable, as you were talking about, Joe, and and to and but not too vulnerable, because you have to gauge it over a period of time. And what do we say to our people? You only share with people who are trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? And you have to gauge that over a period of time. And how many people who are, will say, uh, early relation, <laughs> early um, recovery relationships, who go deep into a relationship at six months of sobriety or less, or even at nine months, and they just head over heels because they want the hit. They want the hit of love, yep. acceptance, and with all due respect protection mm-hmm. and connection and if we're not connected if we're in connection mm-hmm. and if we're not protected as young children one of my favorite questions to everybody I see do you trust mm-hmm. at all yeah. or even so we're gonna we're, we're looking for um, uh, support in the storm that may not be the right place meaning to pull our ship into meaning Help me. Meaning we're not we're, we're not going to be able to trust correctly, and and we're going to continue to Correct. get hurt and find solace in. And that's why you got to do the work. Behavior. That's why you got to. How do did the I work. do, Ange? Did I do okay? You did. <laughs> <laughs> this is our toughest guest we've ever uh, had. But what a pleasure. a pleasure! It's been great. I wish I wish we did do another hour tonight, which means we're going to have you back. Thank you very Patrick, much. Thank you very much. I for just speak us. to the unconscious, and everybody responds. It's that. And we huh? appreciate it. Thank you. It thank you so much for having me, E. Patrick Miller. How can we get in touch with you and employ your services? You can call me at nine four nine four. 422-1880, which was my professional um, 
Center office. You can also find me on Facebook under E. Patrick Miller. Excellent. Thank you. And they know me as Easy E. <laughs> That's great. Love it. All right. It's been a fun hour. I've enjoyed it. I can't tell you how much I've looked forward to this since we talked about it last week. That's great. I and I hope, uh, how we do? What's our grade? Sweet Jesus. It's perfect. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Perfectly Look forward to seeing you next week. Rip, it's great Rip. to see your, yeah, your beautiful face. Your Gia, Gia, get better. Yes, yes. Gia, come and, back. And Steve, we wish your daughter the best recovery and the quickest recovery possible. We're praying for her. We are. Sending love and prayers. Angelina, amazing opening show for the new year. Lots of things to look forward to. Next week, we're going to talk about a pharmacist's view on the opioid epidemic. We're going to have um, uh, Greg Knight in from Violito Pharmacy to talk about his experience on the other side of the counter. Oh, that should be Very interesting. Cool. Yeah. So stay tuned. And we are on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. All of our shows are uh, archived. Angelina, great show. Thank you very much. Rip, awesome work. This is The Recovery Show. I'm Dr. Joe. And I'm Angelina. And until next week, stay close. Good night. KOCI LPFM Newport Beach, Costa Mesa